It's the Real Roots Radio podcast, on-demand content highlighting the best information and entertainment from the Real Roots Radio team. Tyler Fairburn and Chubby Howard always have fun on the Chubby Howard Show every Saturday, and you never know who's going to drop by or give them a call. We've got one of the finest gentlemen and one of the greatest steel players in the country that's recorded about every song with George Strait, Alan Jackson, so many, it's unbelievable. And <laughs> I'm so happy to call this guy my friend for quite a spell. Hey, is this Paul hey, Franklin? Debbie. How are you doing, Paul? Man, I am doing great, and it's so great to hear your voice, man. Gee whiz, um, you, it's great to hear your voice, son. I've knew you for quite a spell, and I had a respect for you for a long time, and especially your family. It's been my friend, Paul Sr., and your ma, and of course your brother and your sister. What a great family and what a great bunch of people. How you doing? Well, I'm doing great, and thank you for saying that about them. They they think the world of you always Oh, gosh, I love your ma and Paul. You were always, uh, we would, uh, when I was a kid, back in the 60s and 70s, we always came through Showbud, and you were iconic <laughs> back then in that <laughs> world, and you good friends with Scott, and oh. you were always so kind and courteous to us, you know, and made us feel just like we were in your house, you know. Oh, just, gee. Uh, taught yeah. us a lot. <laughs> now, how, <laughs> how is Brian? Brian is doing good. You know, Kenny Rogers passed away. And yes, who had stopped touring for about uh, probably two or three years prior to that yeah. due to his health issues and and uh, but Brian's doing really good. He's in a Eagles tribute band and uh, he and uh, Josh Graves, uh, Brian Graves, they went to school together and so they're they're two old mates reunited in this really uh, successful Eagles uh, tribute band. So good, yeah, he's doing great. That's great. I'll never forget when I worked for uh, the Steel Guitar uh, Show down in Nashville with, I forget his name now, they put it on, and he was 16 years old. And I begged him, and he got up on, I'll never forget when I did the show, he got up and played the lead guitar with me. He didn't want to, but I'll never forget that. It was an honor. I think the first time that he picked on stage. Yeah, it was. He, he, uh, he, what most people didn't know, he learned guitar uh, like classical musicians learn their instruments. Oh. You know, they don't learn. They don't learn song. They learn how songs are put together. <laughs> so, so it's like a puzzle. So he he was really good at putting together the puzzle, but he was always scared because well, I don't know any songs. What are they going to? But his ears were already trained, so he always managed to get through it. You know, and and. Uh, yeah, he. I know he loved that. That was a meant a lot that you would call him up and 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 ask him to play. That was awesome. <laughs> he was with Kenny for quite a long spell. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know the actual amount of years, but right, at least a decade or longer. Yes, know, yes, Kenny. yes. Uh, he left Mark Holly band, and that's where he went. This was uh, Kenny Rogers. Paul, you've worked with a lot of guys in Nashville. And I'm I'm a, I'm a going back, and, and I may be right or I don't, may be wrong on this. The first uh, star job you had was uh, the happiest girl in the USA. Am I right or wrong? 
Well, actually, <laughs> it, it, that's I, I went a few jobs before that. Barbara Mandrell, oh, seventeen, and Barbara Mandrell had just been signed to uh, Columbia Records back right. in the day before it was MCA. Herbie, uh, her father was a uh, sales rep for Mossrite Guitars, and I, of course, from Detroit. He he came in a few years earlier. And said, my thought, you know, he, he heard me play and he told me and my dad, he said, my daughter's a great steel player. She's going to be a big star. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, we want you to be her steel player. You know, of course I didn't, you know, I thought that was cool, but didn't put, give it a lot of weight. And she got signed to MCA records. She had her first single and, uh, they, and I was in my senior year of high school and, uh, they moved me to town they put me in the correspondence school with Erling, ah. you know, so, and, uh, and, that, and she moved me to town. I was 17 and Irby became my legal guardian because you had to have a guardian to play, <laughs> you know, clubs and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Off I went. But, um, yeah, I went Donna, uh, Don, Donna Fargo was my, uh, third job. I went with, from Barbara to Dottie West and then the ah, uh, okay. fourth job. And then I went with Lynn Anderson and then to Donna Fargo. You know, I think the first time I met you, I believe I'm right, was uh, uh, the Possum Holler. You worked yeah. there in, in, the, in the staff band, I guess, for a little while. I did. I, I took, uh, uh, George Jones had a, you know, I guess back in the 60s, he had a club in, in Nashville called the Possum Holler. Yeah. And it, it was just a short uh, time, you know, maybe a year or two, and then it closed. And so he always talked about opening up a new club. So in, I believe it was 1974, he opened up the club in, in the, at the, at the uh, foot of Printer's Alley, just one block down. And he, his band would come in when they were, anytime they were off, the, the uh, Jones boys would come in and be the <laughs> guest stars. Yeah, I played there. I took Sonny Garrish's place. Sonny uh, had quit the road, and his career took off after he played the, on all those Eddie Rabbit records and uh, Gene Watson's 14 Carat Mine and all those things. And so I was just subbed, and all of a sudden he couldn't make any of the gigs. So I got it by default. Well, you was just a young fellow when you started in Nashville, and uh, uh, you've been a great, great picker all these years, and, and also not only a great picker, but you're a fine man, gentleman. Well, You can talk well, to thanks. you. You don't go behind the trees and hide if somebody wants to talk to you over the years. And you've have recorded, uh, I don't know if you've ever put it down, marked anything down, you know, like uh, I've did a hundred sessions or whatever, but you've did a lot in Nashville, not only with George Strait and Alan Jackson, but so many other people, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I, I don't count them but I've been doing, uh, I played on, my first hit record was when I was 16. It was a pop hit called Whoa. Uh, It's So Nice to Be Be With You by Gallery. And then I moved to Nashville, and then uh, my first country hit was something special with George Strait. But but then I played on Rodney Crowell's Diamonds and Dirt, you know, Whoa. The Above and Beyond. And I played, I just, from there, they were, Nashville had grown into this concept of, if they wanted a specific fiddle player or a steel player, we, they called our instruments color instruments. <laughs> so if you couldn't make the tracking date, they would overdub you. So you could, you know, if, uh, there were times when, you know, I was doing 
two or three major artists in a week. You know, and back in those days, each artist would cut all week long. But I would uh, often, and there would be two sessions, so I'd record from 10 a.m. to 5 wow. on one artist, and then I'd go overdub on the other artist at, at 6 and 10 at that night, working four sessions a day. Yeah, I, I was very fortunate, you know, to have quit the road at the right time yes. when Na- Nashville was transitioning. But I, I got to record, uh, I even got to record on the last uh, uh, Merle Haggard and George Jones duet record. You know, they they yeah. uh, tried to redo the, the kicking out the footlights or whatever that, that original album they did where they sang each other's songs. <laughs> and that was a big treat. And that, you know, of course, I got to record, you know, when I moved to town, I wanted to record with everybody. So it was like I drink because that's how I learned to play. So I play along with the radio. So I'd think, man, what would it be like to be a Merle Haggard's band? What, you know, that was my ambition. And, and I didn't know I would ever get to, I never thought I would get to do it. I just wanted to do it. And uh, it was just really, really nice. And, and uh, But you talk about being nice. You know, I had a lot of good mentors. You know, like I, I, when I met... Uh, my partner on this Bakersfield thing, when I met Vince, we were, we were friends, you know, it's just like, and, and, and a lot of good mentoring, you know, just advice and, you know, and, and seeing how other people interact with people, you know, and I did, you know, well, you know, you've been around it. There are some that, that aren't that way and actually right. very few, but I just know what it meant to me when, when, uh, like I said, you were nice to our family and, you know, what that means to somebody that has aspires to be, you know, experience the music business that means the world you know why why not be that way boy listen uh your mom your mom and dad uh they've been so nice to me even at the steel guitar conventions when you had your booth set up and all of this but boy they're just two fine people and speaking of your dad he's the guy that came along with the franklin steel guitar named after the family yes he did yeah, well, well, you know this. You uh, when uh, he was he worked for Showbuzz, absolutely, which was the, uh, dominant uh, manufacturing company of steel guitars for probably twenty years. He and uh, a fellow named Dwayne Mars, they were the two guys that built. If you were an endorsed player, they would build your guitars. The rest of the guitars came off the assembly line, kind of, so to speak. But Dad got a lot of experience like that. But it was uh, research and development for him because Howrug and all the great Weldon and, and all the studio guys are coming in, and they would voice their complaints. And of course, knowing this now from the other side of the fence, when you're, when you're building a guitar and mass-producing it, you can't change things just you know, as, like a flip of a switch. But <laughs> when, you're, uh, when you're like an old-school violin maker, which is what he wanted to be, uh, you can do what you need to do. So he, he got all of his R&D and then... Uh, you know, he decided to build one. He actually solicited it to a show bus. You know, said, "Hey, you, I'll build it. You, we can do it." And, and they were uh, getting ready to sell to Gretsch, so they weren't. You know, they weren't going to make any changes. But anyway, that's how he came up with his guitar. And uh, you know, and and the moment I play, I took it out and played it at DJ convention, and I jammed with Buddy Emmons. And uh, Hal Rugg was out in the audience, and Hal came up and said, "That guitar is incredible." <laughs> He wanted to buy one right then, and and I think within just a few months, like J.D. Manis, all these big Stubasor, 
and big players were wanting the guitar. So Dad thought, well, not, maybe I should just stay home and build you. And, and that's what he did until he retired. He's 86 now. Oh, so, boy. Yeah. It's, it, he, he got to, I'm, I'm most proud of, you know, I think because of what I ended up doing, he made that possible for me as a kid. Yeah. And then, then because of his love for building, you know, he got into building guitars by default. You know, there was a two-year back, I had a Fender Cable guitar, which was obsolete. And uh, they they couldn't do what the Nashville players were doing. And my uh, father, there was a two-year wait on it. So my dad said, well, I can build one of those. You know, my uncle had a body shop, had all the tools. And so, and my dad built my first guitar. And then the second guitar he built was kind of revolutionary. uh, And and, and, uh, it, it was opposite from... The, the way the Emmons push pull tunes, and uh, it, it's it's just uh, it was really good, and that that's what got him his job with Showbuzz. And he, the, I just love the fact that he was able to do what he loved all of his life and, and be successful at it. So it was, it's a family business. I know, <laughs> and I'm I'm proud of something at my house. They, I think they only built five or six of them, and. Uh, uh, it was built by your dad, and and the other gentleman was there so long you just mentioned. Dwayne Myers? Yes. Yeah. It's a orange-looking color, and you picked, uh, you wanted a different color from the way I heard it, and they mixed something up and come up with that color, and it's that orange color, and they only built five or six of them. It, yeah, it's, a, it's like, a, we, we called it a rust color, because, it, you know, all, all it was is I was, you know, I was a kid. <laughs> You know, I was a, you know, my hair was long, and, and you know, all the steel. <laughs> back in those days, all the steels were that everybody got either a blue one or a yeah. charcoal or blonde, yeah. and you know, and and red, right? And uh, and I just wanted something different, and so and they had a brown stain, and so what they did was, uh, uh, I think they put a little, just a few drops of the red in there, and and I don't know how you blend colors, but anyway. Right. They did something to the brown stain that made it come out like a rust color, and it's yeah, I I missed my orange guitar. That that was a good sounding guitar, and I remember your guitar too. I've got that you guitar, know. and it's got six knees on it, and it's got the uh, uh, the controls, you know, your bass and treble and stuff in the back on the end plate. They oh, built cool. they, they built uh, that way. And uh, it's it's absolutely it looks like it was made yesterday. It's 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 all wood, uh, lacquer, and it's absolutely beautiful. And and I guess they only built no more than five or six of those particular ones with that color. Yeah, not not many. Not, I think Terry Bethel got one. I know yes. you got one, and I got one. And I can't remember. There was a couple more, maybe just yeah. people just that they saw it and wanted them. But I think Doug Jernigan got one. Yeah, they didn't want to build that color, David. David right. <laughs> Jackson thought we can't, you know, because they're shipping it out to uh, uh, distributors, you know, music stores. And if somebody says I want one, they didn't. They didn't want to add that color, so that's why. Uh, but anyway, we got one. <laughs> boy, I still got it at home. Of course, I'm a playing the Emmons. But what did you start playing first, Emmons or Joe Bud or what? Well, I I got a Fender 400. Oh, and it was obsolete. Uh, the you know that was my first pedal steel. I was eight years old. Wow! And uh, 
and we ordered it from the, you know we didn't know anything so we ordered it from it. and then we <laughs> back in those days you could go up to any country band and talk to the steel guitar players so i i saw uh within a few months buddy charlton and buddy garris and different buddy buddy was with bill anderson buddy charlton was with ernest tubb and consistently every steel player when when i would say they'd ask me what i played 400 and because i would ask them how they do certain licks and they say you can't do that on that guitar and they'd tell my dad you got to get that kid off that guitar <laughs> and and so that's why and so my dad built my first double neck and he and he built the second double neck which is the one i actually played that second uh, double neck on uh, martina mcbride did this uh you know uh covers of her favorite traditional songs where we did thanks a lot yeah that piece all of her uh timeless she called the album and uh i that guitar is on timeless that that second guitar he built it's just a it was amaranth wood which is a they call it nicknamed purple heart but a very very hard wood it, it just has the showbud built guitars in the early days out of amaranth and uh and it's a great sounding guitar so that was that's where I started. Then when I went to Nashville, I played in MSA, and then I played two show buds, and then <laughs> I went from there to an Emmons, and then from there to my dad's guitar. Boy, oh boy, what a great guitar and what a great sound! And uh, well, you've 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 really set a mark, and now you're with the Time Jumpers, and one time you went overseas and worked with the great band. Is it Dire Strait? Yes, Dire Straits. I, I uh, yeah, that was a that was a really. It came at a at a time it was scary actually to offer because I always wanted to do something like that where you take the instrument you know into a new uh, uh, surrounding, and 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 there was no bigger uh, arena for it than that band. You know, their last the album before the one I did with Martin Offer was uh, uh, Brothers in Arms, and it was the first CD released with the the uh, compact disc machine. So there was like, everybody bought it. There was like 40 million uh, Brothers in Arms uh, CDs sold. So I was, and, and they they were huge uh, globally. And, and and at the same time, I had just landed uh, all these accounts. Like I, I finally was working for every major label. And so now it was, do I want to go out with this band for two years, walk away from all of that? And uh, and so I was scared to death because it was, I knew I should do it, and you know ec- economically and and, uh, and and all of that. But I thought, well, I'm, will there be a career to come back to? And so it was a very trying time. And, and uh, Lloyd Green came up to me at a Christmas party. I'll never forget it. And he knew I was contemplating. He said, "Have you made up your mind yet?" And I said. Well, no, I'm still debating. He said, let me tell you something. He, uh, back during the height of his career, he had played on a record called Sally G by Paul McCartney. And he said he wanted to take me out and tour. And he said, I was where you are. He said, I was doing all the major work. And, uh, and he said, I didn't do it. And he said, I'm standing here right now regretting that. And I and that made up my mind right there. He he said, "Do it." He said, "This will all be there when you get back." And Chet Atkins was a good friend of Martin Offler's. That that's how I met Mark. Was uh, Chet had recommended me. I worked with Jerry Reed, 
and Chet heard me play, and so he recommended me. I'll never forget it. Chet, I can't imitate Chet very well, but Chet calls me up and he goes, uh, Paul, uh, do you play rock and roll? <laughs> I go, I said, well, yeah, I can play whatever you need me to. And he said, well, I don't need you. He said, but uh, I'm going to recommend you for something. And and uh, so I got called from Knopfler, who came to town, and he was doing this record called The Naughty Hillbillies, which is a great record. And it's, it's more country than than it is anything else. And it's But it's real old-time country, like Civil War-type songs. And it's really a great record. So I did that. We met, and, and you know, we clicked, and, and he offered me the job. And, and uh, man, what a, what an experience. You know, we played stadiums like there were sit-down gigs. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> we would play, uh, like we played four days in Amsterdam, 60,000 people a night. You know, wow. now people do that. But, but this band was so huge. We were playing. We played uh, the place in uh, Paris 20 days straight. And it was twenty thousand people a night. Wow! I mean that that it's just hard to believe those kind of crowds. But that's how uh, big that band was globally. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so it was a it, it's an experience. I'm glad I did. And and what it opened up in the uh, for my career was uh, you know amazing. Boy, that's something. I tell you what. I I know. I remember when you went over and everything. Well, I about talked your ear off. And uh, it's an honor for me today to get to have you with us on the air. This station, you know, is owned by a great man that's got the great bluegrass band. His name is Joe Mullins and the Radio Ramblers. And, oh, my God. I and, didn't know that. Yeah, he owns, <laughs> he owns this organization. And what a musician he is. And we're called oh. Real Roots Radio. And we're actually in Xenia, Ohio, right out of Dayton. It's our headquarters, okay. but we're on six radio stations in the neighborhood around here, anywhere. But we're Real Roots Radio all over the world, and and different things, and and it's an honor. I've been here, uh, believe it or not, besides playing the steel, I've been here about twenty-two or twenty-three years with him on the weekends, and I'm still picking. But uh, the shows that I had lined up. Is canceled because of all this going on, and you're, you're, uh, is your place closed naturally? Yes, yeah, yes. Everything is uh, the music business basically stopped. Yes, this. You know, everybody, it, we, yeah, we, you're yeah, telling me. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, so everybody's sitting back and you know, <laughs> uh, waiting. You know, we're reassessing <laughs> what we love, and and uh, sure, Miss. Uh, the interact well, you know this. There's nothing right. like when people wonder what it's like to be on stage and be able to play an instrument. Well, it's it's talking with your strength. It's ta- <laughs> it, because that's what happens. It's it's uh, it it you know it, you get you build up a vocabulary and then you get on stage and and you interact. Somebody says something and you respond <laughs> to it, and and that's something that's hard to describe uh, to people. But like as musicians, all understand this when. It's like having a large vocabulary. You're sitting all at, at home. It's hard to sit down and play. It's just keeping any interest because because you have nobody to converse with. Boy, and, uh, that's the hardest part of all this. Well, I've really enjoyed having you, pal. And uh, to me, you're a great friend, and you've you've always treated Chubby nice. And anywhere I've ever went to get to see you, and I wish I could get to see you more, pick, but maybe I can. 
later on down well, the line. Well, I'll just have to come and see you, Tubby. Uh, <laughs> you're 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 not only a great picker and and the musicians and everything, but everybody loves Paul Franklin. So you've been on a lot of records, and boy, what an honor to have you to call us today. And of course. Your record with Vince Gill, we played a lot and sold a lot of them. Uh, Joe's got a record store right in in the radio station here in Xenia, so we sold a lot of your records here. Oh, that's awesome! Yes, well, we that's, did. You know, you know how much you and uh, and and all of us that play feel how much we love that old music. I mean, it, I don't even call it old, really. It's yeah. just uh, it's a music. But Vince came up with the concept of bridging. You know that music. There's a whole generation out there that didn't really know it. You know, it's, right. when you think about it, the '60s. That's almost 70 years ago. Well, it was a great CD, and we still play it here, and we always will yeah. on the radio. Yeah. I, I've talked to uh, your your ears off because uh, it's an honor to get to talk to you on the radio. I want to let you talk just a little bit to my compadre here, uh, Tyler. Okay. And uh, Tyler, he don't play the steel guitar, but he plays the accordion. The accordion, he, the he, other instrument. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays it very well. Paul, I'm a thanking yeah. you, and uh, well, Chubby, I, I, I hope honor. to get to see you again. And and I hope your ma and pa is okay. You know, I got to visit with them at the Stars and Steel Guitars. You know, I came down there. And, uh-huh. and that was back just a little bit, and uh, gee, and and you, uh, Chubby couldn't hardly speak when they were sitting in the audience. I said, "I can't believe it, uh, oh, uh, Mister well, Mrs. Franklin." They saw you. They, yeah, yeah, they they, they, they stood up, you. they stood up, and we hugged one another. Gosh, because yeah. they they mean a lot to me, your family, really. Well, in my I'm heart, gonna, I'm going to call them after this is over with and tell them that. Because That's sweet of you to say. They, they're and, always nice to me and everything, and and your mother always liked my son singing. She always talked to my son, and he thought the world of her. And I do your whole well, family, and I'm a thanking you today from the bottom of my heart to call. Well, that that feeling is mutual. Chubby, but, you take care of yourself. Yeah, you you talk a little to Tyler before <laughs> you hang up, and we'll, we 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 play the time jumpers all the time, you know. So, uh, hey, keep playing them strings, okay? All right. Talk a little to Tyler before we hang up. (laughs) Well, Paul, you don't know what this means to Chubby to talk to you today. Well, it means a lot to me, too, Chubby. You take care of yourself. Yes, yes. Oh, well, Paul, I sure do appreciate uh, your time in here on Real Roots Radio this morning. I know uh, this was a big surprise to Chubby. I was able to uh, keep this a secret from him till this yeah, morning. I didn't believe it. And he, oh, uh, really? Yeah, he didn't know you were calling in until I told him this morning. So it was a great, oh, awesome. it was a great surprise for him. And uh, it's a pleasure to be able to uh, meet and uh, talk to you here this morning. And uh, I really hope uh, this uh, coronavirus thing, uh, we, we can all... Uh, everybody remains healthy, and uh, we can get this thing uh, put behind us because Chubby and I, we're really looking forward to getting down there to Nashville and visiting with you and all the time jumpers and everybody. Well, well you got a front row seat whenever you want to come down, and we're, we're all looking forward to it as well. You know, this, this, uh, but everybody should stay safe. You know, that's, uh, it's an important thing. We all fight this, and, and uh, you know, the best thing is to be cautious and, and, uh, 
But anyway, I think if everybody's like me, they're ready to get back to work. I'm ready to take my chances. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right, Paul, well, we sure appreciate your time here today, and uh, stay safe and healthy, and uh, we thank you very much, and have a great day down there in Tennessee. Thank you so much, Tyler. It sounds just as good in the barn as it does in the car. Real Country Music on Real Roots Radio.